Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. And thank you for checking out the podcast. Coming up, Bomber Talk with Bob Irving. We'll find out what he knows about the injury to QB Matt Nichols. James Hyatt on the book about his uncle Fred Lodge, a Winnipeg soldier who fought at Dieppe. And science writer Chris Rakowski on an area UFO anniversary. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. Seven and two. They beat the BC Lions last night. Andrew Harris had a big game, but Matt Nichols is hurt. Bob Irving, the voice of the Bombers, joins us now, hopefully with some good news. Bob, can you tell us anything at all about uh, Matt's injury? No, the Bombers are being very hush hush about it. How they're going to have something more to say, I'm told, on Monday, but uh, I don't think there's going to be any good news. Uh, maybe the good news would be that. It's not necessarily a season-ending injury, but it certainly looks like one based on everything we saw last night that's going to sideline Matt Nichols for a period of time, perhaps an extended period of time. So I think the fans better get used to that, and uh, Chris Trevler is going to take the the controls, and we'll see how that works out. That's unfortunate. I I hope he's not gone uh, for long, and uh, I'll be listening on, even though I'm on vacation, I'm going to be listening on Monday to find out uh, what the prognosis is. So, and listen, I guess the good news here is injuries happen in football, and uh, you don't want to lose a guy like Matt Nichols, but it is uh, somewhat comforting to know that we've got a guy like Chris Trevler, right? Well, and five other teams in the league, Hal, have lost their starting quarterbacks at one point this season. So, you you know, you better be prepared for that. It certainly can change things in, in a dramatic fashion, but it is the reality of sport, as you say. Yeah. And we all remember last year when Nichols got hurt uh, just before the start of the regular season. Chris Trevler started the first three games, and he had mixed success. But, you know, for a guy who was new to the system and new to the league, uh, he did all right. And then he's been spotted in last year and, and this year into certain situations, most of them where he would run the football. Uh, so we, you know, people say we've got a proven, the Bombers have a proven backup. Well, I would say they have an unproven backup. Yes, he's played some, but we don't really know how good he is. So uh, we're going to find out more about that for sure. Uh, the one thing that, uh, and I've said this before, the one thing that Streveler said in training camp was he had to improve his passing. And that's the one thing we'll be watching very closely because he can't make a living just running around with the football. And basically that's what he's done, Hal, when he goes into games. And he's really good at it, and he's fun to watch, and it's really exciting. Uh, But, you know, piloting a team for 60 minutes at quarterback requires much more than that, and that's what Chris Trevler is going to have to, I think, prove to everybody. But he's going to get his chance now, and I expect he's going to play a number of games before uh, Matt Nichols is able to come back if he is able to come back this year and uh, right now unless the Bombers reach out and bring in another quarterback and I can't think of who that might be Chris Strebler is going to be the guy in charge well they would have to get another quarterback not necessarily uh, that would uh, start or even play but they would need to get another quarterback in there behind Strebler wouldn't they well they do have another quarterback no I know but would they go and get a third or 
Yeah, not necessarily. Mm. Sean McGuire is the number three quarterback. Now he's number two for at least a little while. Yeah. Uh, they may or may not. You know, uh, the BC Lions dressed two quarterbacks in their game last night, so that's not unheard of. Teams don't have to have three quarterbacks. Uh, I don't really know how the Bombers are leaning in in that regard, mm-hmm. whether they feel they're okay. And I think a lot of it will depend on the more they learn about this injury over the next few days, whether or not there's a sense that Matt Nichols might be back sooner rather than later, and that will play into that. But I'm sure they're looking around and I did a tweet here, Hal, today throwing up the names of some quarterbacks who are out there. One of them is Brandon Bridge, a Canadian who was with Saskatchewan last year, played in the playoff game, as a matter of fact, against the Bombers. But he's been cut by three or four teams and found wanting. I brought up Drew Willie's name. Drew Drew was with Montreal for a while last year and then was let go and hasn't surfaced. I don't even know if he's still playing or interested in playing. And then the one, I guess, that would create the most talk would be Kevin Glenn, who... Oh, I was waiting for it, Bob. Yes, of course, yeah, yeah. Kevin Glenn. Yeah, you know what? Are you still there, Hal? I'm still here. Yeah, okay. I'm just... Yeah, I'm... He, so he played... I mean, Kevin <laughs> played with Edmonton last year. He never got onto the field. He right. was a backup to Mike Riley in Edmonton. The year before that, in 2017, he threw for over 4,000 yards with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, he just turned 40 years of age. And uh, I don't know if Kevin has stayed in shape and is prepared to play if anybody asked him. I know one of the teams in the league had a conversation with him earlier this year, and and he couldn't come to an agreement with them. So I don't know under what circumstances you you could convince him to come back and play. But, you know, if you were going to reach out to him, you would think you'd expect him to, to be your guy. And I know this about Mike O'Shea. Uh, he's going to give Chris Trevler every chance yeah. to, to, to do the job. Uh, you know, he's not going to rush into bringing some guy in who doesn't know their system or anything else. He's going to see what Chris Trevler shows them uh, in the next game, two games, three games, four games, I don't know, before he reaches out to a guy like Kevin Glenn, I think. So yeah. I'm not quite sure what the Bombers are going to do in terms of a search for number three, and maybe they won't do anything. Right, yeah. Uh, listen, it's going to be uh, a couple thoughts. Uh, I said this at the start of the show. Careful what you wish for. All those people that were saying, oh, I want you know Seymour Strebler. Well, now you're going to see more Strebler. Now, I like the guy. And uh, and I'm excited, and, you know, he'll do well. I think he'll do well. But the other thought I had was, you know, the Bombers use Strebler a lot in every game, which I would think in a situation like this now, that has to be a good thing, right? He's he's used to being in a, in a game all the time. Oh, yeah. No, there's, there's a lot of things that uh, are to his advantage in terms of what's happened in the last year and a half. And starting those three games at the beginning of last year was invaluable experience for him. And then he started the last game of the regular season last year because there was no need to, pay, uh, to play Matt Nichols. And he's played, uh, you know, in spot duty again this year. So, yeah, it's not like you're throwing a guy in there who's never played a down in this league or is a, a raw rookie. He's got... You know, he's got some experience, which is very, very valuable. And uh, he certainly knows the system inside out. He'll get all the, the the reps, as we call them, with the first team. So he'll be stepping into into that situation. So, you know, I, it, I'm i curious to see how it all shakes down. I, I, I think this injury to Nichols is a big blow. It's a big blow. The good news is the Bombers do have a backup who's got experience. They have a 7-2 and two record, Hal, so they've put themselves really in a nice position to kind of maybe ride this out and still make the playoffs. And so, they've, you know, they do have some things going for them. 
Yeah, there's a couple ways to look at it. You're right. Like you can say, wow, seven and two, we can afford to struggle a little bit now for, for a few games. But you also go, oh, we're seven and two. We don't need this, you know? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, the next game is in Edmonton, and then it's back-to-back with Saskatchewan. You and I have talked often about how the Bombers' number one priority this year was to finish first in the West and not have to go on the road in the playoffs, host the West final, because then you're just one home win away from going to the Grey Cup. And those are some of the ramifications that this injury uh, might have. But, again, they're, you know, they are 7-2, and and uh, if they can somehow kind of muster up some offense with Strebler at quarterback. And I shouldn't say muster up because he'll be able to yeah. to function and do some things that we've seen him do that. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, again, we're going totally into the unknown here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got one more name for your tweet about possible quarterback. Scott is suggesting Buck Pierce. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, you know, I think... <laughs> If they went to Buck, who's the quarterback's coach right. of the Bombers, and is still in great shape, by the way. <laughs> if they And he's only, I think, Buck's 35 or 36 years old. Uh, if they went to him and said, look, Buck, what do you think? But, Hal, it's never going to happen. No, no. That is just not going to happen. And I know people throw that out there and suggest it as a possibility. But, uh, no, you, you can't take a guy out of the coaching chair and uh, put a uniform on him and expect him to go out there and, you know, just pick up where he left off when his career was over. And I'm not sure Buck would even want to. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't want to do that. He might have two years ago, but mm. I, don't, I don't think he would now. But that, that's a fun name to kick around. Yeah, with. no, that's the this. And I love the Kevin Glenn. That's perfect, you know. Kevin Glenn, here's, my, here's what I think, Bob. Kevin Glenn is going to be in his 70s in a senior's home somewhere. And somebody <laughs> is going to suggest, hey, maybe we should call Kevin and see if he wants to play. Well, I can tell you this. If the Bombers brought Kevin Glenn in two weeks from now, he would know their system inside out because he's a smart guy. Uh, He's got that super quick release. And as long as he got good protection, I wouldn't be surprised if he went out and threw for 300 yards. I really wouldn't. And I know he's 40 years old. I mean, for quarterbacks, 40 years old is, is old. But, you know, quarterbacks have played the game at that age. And the last time... Kevin played, like I say, it was two years ago, 2017. He threw for 4,000 yards. So, And I'm not advocating, Kevin. Don't no, get me I wrong. No. not promoting. I'm yeah. just saying. <laughs> I think he could still play quarterback yep. for somebody and be productive. I've always been a fan of his. I, I don't think we should have let him go when we did way back when, but whatever. No, it's it's, just, sure, it's yeah. just fun to it's fun to talk about it, and, and I think he's a, he's a great guy and a great player. And uh, yeah. One more thing. I've got to let you weigh in on uh, Andrew Harris. You know, it's so cool to see a player. It was just a wonderful moment, you know, for him to hit that milestone in front of his crowd, hometown, Winnipeg kid. He got emotional. It was a great moment. I have to tell you, as I looked down at the bench when they announced that record and and he was tearing up and uh, the players were coming over and hugging him, I I could feel it. I could feel the emotion, too, as I tried to describe it, uh, because it was such a perfect moment, Hal. Here's the guy from Winnipeg who went out to B.C. to play for Wally Buono, and he the Bombers brought him home three years ago, and you talk about storybook endings, and this isn't over, of course, for him, but now that he's become the all-time best Canadian in terms of uh, yardage from scrimmage and, and got that great salute from the fans last night, if you like happy stories, it didn't come any better than last night. 
Bob, thanks a lot. I sure hope this Matt Nichols story ends with a happy ending, but I, I don't know. I, I we'll find out more on Monday is what you're being told, eh? Well, and look, we're going to find out more, but I'm fairly confident in saying that he's going to be sidelined for a while. Now, what does that mean exactly? Does it mean three, four, five, six weeks the rest of the season? That we don't know, and I don't think we'll find that out on Monday. I think what we're going to hear is, look, Matt's hurt. Um, we're, we're going to see how he recovers, and, and there won't be any specific, I don't believe, any specific, uh, you know, timeline or anything like that all right bob thank you very much appreciate it i'm off for a couple of weeks i'll talk to you in a couple of weeks and uh, i'll be listening to the games pal all right thanks Al. look forward to it have a good holiday so as i told you earlier i got an email from uh the gentleman that we're about to talk to james hyatt and uh there is a book called fred lodge's diaries a quiet man's journey through hell and uh, James, uh, come on in here. First of all, good afternoon. Thank you for doing this. Thanks, Hal. It's, been, it's a pleasure. Yeah, so you're coming to Winnipeg. You'll be here on Monday. I'll be on vacation. That's why I wanted to have you on today, um, because I think this is uh, an important conversation to have. You'll be here for the Dieppe Raid commemoration. Um, explain who Fred Lodge is to you. Well, Fred Lodge was my uncle. Uh, he served uh, with the Cameron Highlanders, which is a Winnipeg based regiment in World War II, and he returned after the war, which was when I knew him, uh, and uh, he uh, uh, returned from the war, he raised his family, and uh, uh, he kept a, a series of diaries throughout his wartime service. Isn't that incredible, eh? And so it's now been uh, turned into this book. Well, it is, and it's, it's really kind of an interesting story. Like a, a lot of veterans, he came back from the war and he had very little to say about his wartime experiences. He told his children virtually nothing. And uh, they knew he had these diaries, but uh, he really didn't want them uh, to read the diaries. And until he died, that they took possession of them. Uh, and then th these were written uh, during the war. And he had a very fine script. But, uh, he had a shortage of paper, especially when he was in the prisoner war camp. Uh, it's kind of hard to decipher them. It takes a lot of effort. Uh, so uh, it was only recently that they had a chance to read them after we finished the uh, transcription. He was a POW in Germany for three years. I can only imagine the stories uh, he had to tell. Well, there are a number of stories in uh, the uh, diaries, and uh, uh, I think a lot of the Canadian soldiers uh, found it very difficult, but they buddied up, and, uh, and Fred's buddy was a guy named Derek Day from uh, Dauphin, and the two of them uh, looked after each other. They, they shared food from Red Cross parcels and uh, parcels from home. And if one of them got sick, uh, the other would nurse uh, his buddy. And that, and that was really the, the big reason, why I think, why they survived. Um, you know, it, it's funny when you said that Fred didn't talk a lot about his experience in the war. My grandfather fought for the Amer Hawk and Anderson fought for the Americans in World War One. And he as well did not talk much about what he uh, what he went through. Uh, he had a bag filled with some things from the war, and and I would see them and ask him about them, and and he didn't share too much. A lot of people that come back from war, a lot of men and women that come back from war, don't like to talk about it, don't want to share those stories. So 
I think it's important when we get an opportunity like this book, Fred Lodge's Diaries, A Quiet Man's Journey Through Hell, it's important that we read that stuff and understand better what they went through. Do you agree? I agree completely, Helen. That's a, that's a great point. Uh, this is a common theme uh, we've been hearing from uh, people whose parents and grandparents uh, served, and they say, you know, Dad came home and he never said anything. And I'd sure, you know, at this point in my life, I'd sure like to know what happened. And so what we have in these diaries is a first-person contemporaneous account. Uh, and basically every day that he was in the Army, uh, starting in early 1940 until he got home in Halifax in, at the end of June 1945, uh, he recorded it all. Uh, and he uh, was a pretty astute observer. Uh, and I'll just give you one example of, of this. Uh, I spoke in the last couple of days with uh, with Eric Day's children. You might remember I mentioned him a few moments ago, and they uh, really didn't know very much about what their dad had done. And, and I so I I phoned them up and uh, said, "Your dad's mentioned uh, a number of times in these diaries, and I just want to make you aware that the, the uh, book is out." And uh, so uh, they're going to come to the commemoration ceremony at Minto Armories and uh, the First Presbyterian Church on uh, Picardy uh, on uh, Monday afternoon. And uh, I'm also giving a, a presentation at the Brandon Public Library on Monday morning. And two of his uh, daughters are, are going to be there uh, just so that uh, they want to find out more about what their uh, dad went through. Yeah. Talk a bit about Monday's uh, event a little bit, just to let people know. Is it open to everybody? Uh, I believe it's open to everybody. Uh, it starts uh, just before 7 o'clock in the evening on Monday at uh, the First Presbyterian Church on Picardy, which is just off Portage, as I'm sure you know. Yep. Uh, and uh, there's going to be a, a commemoration ceremony uh, to commemorate the events of uh, August 19th, uh, 1942, which was the day of the DF raid. And this will be the 77th anniversary. And uh, uh Colonel Hugh Atwell and the Cameron Highlanders are giving us outstanding support, and, and they've allowed us to uh, to join them in this commemoration ceremony. Uh, I believe the church has lots of room, and they have a parking lot, so if anyone would like to come out, uh, the more the merrier. Well, James, thank you very much for doing this. I'm sorry I'm going to miss you uh, in the city on, on Monday. Um, the book, again, is called Fred Lodge's Diaries, A Quiet Man's Journey Through Hell. By the way, um, you uh, did this book with your your cousin. Uh, I said that you wrote the book. You did this. Obviously, these are, are Fred's diaries. Um, you did this with your cousin. Is that uh, is that Fred Lodge here in Winnipeg? Well, that Fred Lodge is in Winnipeg, and he uh, uh, he works uh, quite close to uh, Polo Park, as you probably you may I know. know. He works at Casterland. I I know Fred. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's outstanding. Yeah. Well, listen, all the best with this. I, I think this is wonderful. I hope uh, Monday is a, an amazing day, and I hope you sell lots of books because I think people need to read what, what uh, Fred wrote uh, going through um, that, uh, the Dieppe uh, raid, and then uh, a three-year prisoner of war in Germany. Thanks for doing this, James. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Howland. Uh, you have a great holiday. Right now, the spooky... Scary, mysterious music is because we're going to talk to Chris Rakowski, science writer and weirdologist. Good afternoon, Chris. 
Good afternoon, Hal. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. And uh, the anniversary is a ways off, but I wanted to get you on today because I'm off for a couple of weeks and the anniversary will happen while I'm away. Tell people about the Marshall County UFO incident. It's coming up on 40 years. Yeah, it was uh, August 27th in 1979. And, uh, you know, it's uh, you, you always talk about UFOs. If they do, if you have any proof, do you have any, you know, who is a good witness? Maybe the guy who was looking at it, you know, didn't know what he was talking about. Right. Well, you know, back back then, there was a deputy police officer from Marshall County, Minnesota. Now, that's just actually this side of Grand Forks. And uh, uh, he was driving along at 2 o'clock in the morning, saw a light over some trees, and uh, thought of maybe some plane that was in trouble. Like, why, why are they flying a plane at 2 o'clock in the morning over the, over the river? And uh, he turned towards it, and when he did, started driving down the highway, this light sort of zoomed towards him very, very quickly. He felt the impact as this thing hit his police car, hmm. and he blacked out. Next thing he knew, he was um, 15 minutes later, uh, 900 feet down the highway. Uh, there's a skid mark that uh, went that long, and he was sort of sideways on the road. Um, you know, and he radioed officer down, and immediately uh, all the officers in the area, uh, police, zoomed over there and investigated as an accident. So we have the witness of a, a UFO who was a police officer. It was investigated literally right away by police. Um, they took all the measurements, examined the car, you know, 10 ways from Sunday, and they couldn't figure out what it was. They called in the Ford Motor Company. Uh, there was a, uh, the headlight was blown out on one side. There were unusual round dents on the hood. The windshield was... Uh, uh, broken in kind of a teardrop pattern, um, as if something had uh, hit it and bounced away. Uh, very, very strange. He himself, uh, this uh, Val Johnson, the witness, um, he had uh, welder's blindness, uh, as if you know, very bright light had had hit him right in the face. Huh. Uh, it, it was uh, quite remarkable. So, you know, it was investigated very intensely, and nobody could come up with an explanation. And what's really interesting is that they kept the car. You know, 40 years uh, ago, this, you know, they decided, what are we going to do with the car? Well, let's, it's, you know, rather than fix it, let's keep it around. Maybe we can figure it out what's going on later. They kept it all this time, and to this day, it's in uh, a museum uh, in Marshall County, Minnesota, and uh, it's a UFO display if you want to go down and take a look. And so many people have been coming down that on the 40th anniversary coming up uh, just in a matter of a week and a little bit, they're having a UFO festival down there. That is so cool. Next time I'm down there, I'm going to, you know, take the trip and, and check it out. I had no idea. Yeah, and it's one of the you know, one of the best cases in terms of witnesses and evidence. And right. the evidence is still there. And I'm giving, actually, I'm speaking at it. A number of other people are there. I think the original dispatcher that night, uh, police dispatcher, is going to be speaking. Displays, I think there's, you know, a lot of the fun stuff that we associated with Roswell yeah, festivals. Right. You know, there's a costume contest, maybe a little parade and things like that. So it's a, it's kind of a neat thing. It's not that far away, but uh, little known facts just, just around the corner from us. Isn't that cool? How can people get more information if they want to go down and check this out? Uh, you, you'll have to Google Marshall County Historical Society, and there's a number of Marshall counties, so you have to make sure it's Minnesota. Right. But they have information on their, their website, and uh uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I was one of the original investigators back in 79. We actually went into the States a little bit uh, back then. Uh, and uh, Val Johnson, the police officer, actually came up to Winnipeg for a UFO conference in 1980. 
So there's a, you know, there's an interesting connection because it was so close. Yeah. Well, that's uh, excellent. These UFO conferences, I mean, some of them get big and, and, man, massive crowds. And, I mean, some of these people like you, Chris, that investigate these incidents, they become celebrities in their own right, haven't they? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've, I've gone to a few. I've been invited to speak at a few. I'm not, I guess I'm not popular enough uh, uh, to speak at some of them. I know there's even uh, cruise ships that uh, have UFO uh, cruises right. and things like that. Yeah. If they're listening, they should, you know, I'll, I'll volunteer to do that. <laughs> you know, well, you're on this show. So, I mean, you're, you're, yeah. you're big enough to be on this show, which doesn't I, say I, much. I but I really made it now, yeah. <laughs> Why, and this is just south of us, as you said, yeah. Why uh, does Manitoba and this area, generally speaking, why does it? Why is it such a a hot spot when it comes to UFOs and and that sort of thing? It it really does seem like we've had some significant sightings here. Any theories on on that, Chris? At all? Well, one theory, and, and it's true, we've had some amazing things. You know, Falcon Lake we've right. talked about many times. There's one of uh, Rivers, Manitoba had an interesting case up north. Uh, in Thompson, there have been some strange things. Uh, but, you know, in Carmen, Charlie Red Star uh, was seen in the 70s. Yeah. But, yeah, very, very close to us. And I, one thing somebody said is, well, we literally are in the center of the continent. So you wanted to get far away from all that silly ocean stuff. <laughs> we're right here. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're the center of everything. We're the Keystone Province, I think, as uh, one of our uh, long ago, uh, uh, you know, uh, public service announcements used to say. Yeah. So we're, uh, you know, we're right in the center. Maybe we're the, the real center. Yeah. Ground and zero. Ground zero. Ground for zero for it. Yeah. And I guess, you know, if you're an alien out there and you go, you know, you're putting your long pointy finger on a map. I mean, why not the center of the, the continent, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, uh, and it's nice country here. Boy, we have some great weather. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, and, 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 I, and if the bus stri- buses go on strike, you know, we'll hitch a ride with the saucers that are coming by. It's easy enough for me. There you go. Hey, I want to ask you, I always do this when I have you on, I always got to say anything of late, any recent sightings, anything that you're looking into right now? Uh, there's. Um, I had a, a video that was sent to me from uh, London, Ontario, of a guy who had seen something. Uh, looked pretty strange. I wasn't quite sure what this was. It was a uh, quite of a short clip, but it was uh, three lights uh, moving together. Said they had a humming sound. It wasn't a drone. I think that's we pretty well established it wasn't a drone. But uh, I'm not sure exactly what it was. I have hmm. to get more information, get one of my buddies out uh, in Ontario to take a look. Yeah. And uh, just remind people, when you put that UFO report together every year, when do we get the new numbers? And the new numbers won't be around, unfortunately, until after the end of the year and gives us some time to compile them. So yeah. probably, you know, March-ish, something like that. But, you know, you can report your, your sightings uh, any time now, uh, and uh, they'll get to us. Chris, thanks a lot for doing this. I'm, I'm off for a couple of weeks, as you know. I'm going to head up, uh, spend a lot of time at the lake. So if I run into uh, uh, Winnie Pogo or, or whatever, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> yep, you keep an eye out for everything for me, Hal. I will. All right, Chris, thanks a lot. Thanks so much. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.